Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hockey Toolkit, episode 24, but this is season 2, episode 4. Uh, I am Trevor DiCarlo. Andrew Trimble. And uh, yeah, we are here, ready to go, ready to party, have some fun, talk about hockey. Uh, but uh, first, Coach, let's catch up. How you been? Good. We are just uh, finishing up that that uh, post-Thanksgiving um, malaise, you know, like we're back and starting to get back into the swing of things now with our all of our teams back in the building, ready to have our first games this upcoming weekend. They had a little, you know, five, six-day break for Thanksgiving where most of our athletes go home, and we have a little pause in the schedule. So now we're uh, back at it and excited for a big weekend ahead. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, Trev, and how was your hockey experience along with Thanksgiving? Uh, you know what? Um, <clears throat> well, let's see here. Hockey, uh, Thanksgiving was just <clears throat> was just normal. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, just immediate family got together. Uh, you know, watched some football. You stayed local? Yeah, just stayed local. Nothing crazy. Uh, only thing that was crazy is that my team took part in a Thanksgiving tournament. So we... Um, we played on the North Shore, uh, okay, and uh, we actually had a game at seven thirty a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so nice. So that was fun. Getting up even earlier than I would for work. So I was up at like five thirty to get there by six. I was actually there so early. Uh, I was the third car in the parking lot. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I got like 15 minutes. I'm going to take a quick nap. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But you got uh, to get your shut eye in. I respect it. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? I got got a little bit of time. I could go in and stand around or I could just take a quick uh, little snooze here. So that's what I did. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was uh, overall, it was a good weekend. Um, the team ended up, uh, we took second place in the tournament. Uh, That's great. Yeah, you know what I mean. All things considered, uh, we saw a lot of improvements in a lot of areas we've been working on. Um, so again, still a lot, a lot to work on. But I'm uh, extremely happy with uh, with how we played. But uh, how was uh, your your actual Thanksgiving? Your your personal Thanksgiving? Well, it was uh, we we traveled down as a family to to New Jersey to see my my mom. Uh, it was her first Thanksgiving without my dad, so that was a you know, we want to make sure that it was it wasn't too stressful and tough for her. So uh, we we grabbed her, and we stayed with her for a couple of days, and then we um, went to Thanksgiving at my sister's house. She lives in the next town over, and it was really nice. It was a nice Thanksgiving. The weather was pretty mild in New Jersey, as compared to New Hampshire, which is pretty cold right now. Um, so it was nice being 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 in a little bit nicer climate, being able to be outside a little bit, and take part in all those Manasquan. Uh, festivities that happened on the Jersey Shore at Thanksgiving. There's a big parade. There's a bonfire uh, for the football teams that play play against each other on Thanksgiving Day. And it just was a great, great couple of days for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. That, uh, that sounds like, uh, you know, it was great that you were able to get away from a little bit. Um, you know, I know for you, especially, I mean, for you now, hockey, I mean, hockey, not, not saying that it wasn't, but for you, hockey is a full-time thing. So I'm sure... Um, getting away, you know, just a little bit of a break and seeing family and kind of like unwinding, kind of resetting. I'm sure that was phenomenal. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, you know, you get to those, I always tell our teams that October is really a critical, maybe the most critical month. And that that's not discounting any other months, but from what my experience up here in New Hampshire is it's, uh, you play so many games in the month of October 
And it's just game after game after game, grind after grind, practice after practice. Uh, and then, you know, the, the weather up here, it, it turns really cold really quick. So you go from September, which you can still you know, get out on the lake, you can still swim and do all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you're in October and you know, you're probably going to get your sn first snowfall around, uh, you know, sometime later in, in, the, in that month of October. October. And if you can, if you can kind of persevere and have a really successful month, then it can kind of set you up for the rest of the year because you can kind of get adjusted to that cold and get adjusted to the gray skies and things like that. But um, so it, it was definitely a grind for that that month and to get a little pause after uh, having a successful month. It felt really nice to get take that five six day break. No, that's uh, that's that's great. That's awesome. I definitely uh, I do remember even when I was doing it as a director, you know. Typically, we would, there would always be something around Thanksgiving, but even just those couple days where you get just a little bit of a break, that's always nice. I mean, even you know playing days, those are those are nice, uh, nice times. So, um, so you said oh, big the, question, big big question for you, Trevor. Um, you know this your um, tournament this weekend. Did you instruct any of your guys to perform Jacob Truba like? Uh, slashes across people's head did that, that happen at all for you guys um you know we keep that kind of like as a secret play like the annexation yep. of puerto rico we keep that yes. in the you know we keep that in the diet you know just deep uh you know we've got a special signal for that but um uh if they don't see what's it, it what, what's the signal is it like flying <laughs> flying v or is it like it's, uh, yeah yeah i i just start yelling out you know like uh Hit yeah, yeah basically no we uh we did not i i've i've had to uh no we i would i don't even want to go down that path but no we've never um Hold on one second. I unplugged my headphones, so we're gonna have to jump back in. All right. Uh, no, I have. Uh, no, I've never actually had that. Uh, I've never done that. Actually, we had that happen to us earlier this year uh, against a team. I will not say their names, but uh, stick out high up on one of their players. It was uh, like by their shoulders, their arms, and the kid kind of turned around and. Got one of uh, the skaters on my team. Got him dead in the head. Um, luckily, everybody was okay. Uh, there was a suspension handed out, but no, I don't really have that in my uh, in our in our toolbox on the team. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not not something we practice or we think about. But um, yeah, that uh, you know, I do I do appreciate him coming out and saying, "Hey, look, I need to." Um, I need to be in control of my stick at all times. You know, I accept the penalty. You know, he said all the right things. Um, and again, I mean, I like Truba. I think he's a good player. I think he gets a lot yeah, of hate sure. because, and it's funny you bring this up because I was just thinking earlier today, like, you know, you got hockey going on, you got football going on, and right now the Bears are on, so they're probably getting spanked, even though they had a good first drive. Uh, and then you got basketball going on. Like, what happens if we just, like, all three sports decided, all right, we're going to play by 80s rules for one night? Could you imagine <laughs> all of these people's brain, like, heads exploding just because they're, like, you know, violence and just the, the insanity of it all? Like, it is wild when you think about it. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, good, I mean, hockey would be incre hockey would be incredibly different, um, but I mean, I'm sure kids have played games like that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. where they've gotten out of hand and there's been some poor officiating. 
you know, I'm sure that's happened, but basketball would be a real change. Right. Like imagining, imagine passing the ball multiple times on one series <laughs> or like, uh, <laughs> trying to drive the lane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine like, uh, you know, when you're like boxing somebody up, like maybe an elbow gets up and it gets really physical. Maybe imagine hard foul. Oh man. Oh man. Again, professional sports. If you guys are listening, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, definitely think about just having one like retro '80s night where everything's just '80s rules and uh, go from there. But uh, no, yeah, but if anybody, oh, if ahead. anybody in the NBA wants anybody in the NBA wants my opinion on this or needs my needs my help, I am undefeated in the last six years in my driveway. Mm. Um, I'm only playing against my eight year old son, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I I know a thing or two about basketball. Yes, yes. So if anyone's listening and wants to ask us about that, but no, I mean, name me, name me somebody else who's, who's, who's like 50 and up. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of it. I mean, Mayweather, but that's still, <laughs> you know, that's, that's going down even further down a uh, black hole that we want to go down to if we're talking about bad sports. Uh, but what'd you think <laughs> about the whole Truba incident? And then um, another one came up, but go ahead. I thought, I mean, I thought it was a, a suspension Merited a suspension. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely think that there was um, his stick got a little more out of control, and you slow it down, it looks worse. But it's, I mean, it's a direct shot with a, a stick in the head uh, with a player who has been suspended before. And you know, I would just, I would say that it, uh, it, it merited at least a game or two. Definitely. I mean, I think if you slow down any type of incident, it's always going to look worse. I don't think it ever looks better. Um, you know, even you know, like a car crash. Yeah. I don't think a car crash looks any better uh, slowed down. But, uh, you know, because that brings me to my next point was, uh, or the one I want to talk about was Ryan Hartman just was suspended two games for his slew foot on Alex Debrinkit. And, you know, there's... Rightfully so, there is a little bit of uh, outrage. I don't know, I guess how it's a little, yeah, there's outrage because it's, it's social media about, you know, well, Hartman gets two games and true, you know, for taking a guy's feet out. And again, that's deserved. But Truba gets, you know, $5,000 taken away out of his paycheck, like big deal. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the consistency of the player, you know, Department of Player Safety and you know, all the fines and punishments. Like, do you think there needs to be, you know, what would you do differently if you could control, you know, had some control of it? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, I didn't actually see the slew foot, but I've heard it, heard it on the you know, NHL radio on, on Sirius, uh, on my drive down to Exeter this evening. I heard them talking about it. Uh, and I definitely think that's a point of emphasis that needs to start to be communicated. I mean, uh, you know, anytime you're trying to teach younger kids to body check, the first points of contact should be the, you know, the shoulders and the hips. Um, you know, and you want to emphasize those things. So, like anybody who's now targeting feet uh, with their own foot, that's an intentional move. So it's not like something that happens by accident. Um, so I think that that should be addressed by the the, the league, and I think it should be it merit some suspensions when those kind of plays take place. Um, because it's never just like really an accident, I don't think. Um, and in terms of like the you know like the Truba hit when that when that only has a five thousand dollar fine, I I thought a couple years ago when Brendan Shanahan was doing it, and he was you know had like uh, had video along with it, and he was communicating that to players, and they were putting that out on you know social media and the NHL Network. I thought that was a really good useful tool. I haven't seen as much of that. 
with some of the recent um, hits. It may exist out there. Maybe I'm just like missing it. No, but I feel uh, like it's not. I, yeah, I just I think I think that if you're gonna give a suspension or you're not going to give a suspension, you should articulate why so that there can be a standard standard set for all players across the league. Well, I just sent you a uh, in the the comments here in our little application here a video of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was Claire's day. It was you could tell he was taking his feet out. So I mean. There's no doubt in my mind that it was definitely a slew foot. Um, but I do agree. I, I did I did like, um, you know, when they go back and they would say, like, this is the point of emphasis on why we are calling this, you know, um, you know, why we are giving this, you know, penalty, the suspension, what the penalty was. Actually, I think it was what the penalty was, what where it was in the rule book. And then they went over why it was called that using the video. Um, and then they obviously after that they gave their, uh, you know, okay, here's 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 the verdict. Um, and I did like that because I think it was not only good for, as you said, I mean, the players obviously they know they're not dumb, but it was good for the fans and it was good for younger players too um, because they could see like, oh, like okay, yeah, sure. You know, let's use a Scott Stevens hit for example. Uh, yeah, like, oh man, he blew him up. Well, it's like, yeah, the guy had didn't have the puck for like the last thirty seconds, and he, you know, he had his head down. So yeah, yeah it was great. But this is why. So I do like that. But I, I, I do think in that type of role, the more communication, the more open, and uh, you are, I think, the better. Um, so I don't remember seeing any, you know, as you said, I don't remember seeing the videos that much anymore. Um, maybe it's cause I don't know, George Perrow shaved his mustache or something beats the hell out of me. <laughs> I, uh, I just watched the, 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 the slew foot. Yeah. Sent me. That's pretty, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like, and don't get me wrong. Hartman is not the, uh, he's not going to ever win a lady Bing. Um, and I know he's already had his own sh fair share of uh, suspension issues, but uh, you know, I think the big thing is both incidents, that one and Truba's clear as day. Truba, he's hitting, uh, was it Frederick? He's hitting yeah. him in the head with his stick. Uh, yeah. Now, does Debrinka hit the, his head on the ice? I can't really tell. I think he might have been able to kind of tuck his chin, but either way, it's we're still talking about some type of head contact. Absolutely, and I, I think that. You know, they've made a big emphasis over the last 10, 12 years to talk about uh, eliminating headshots and head contact. So if you're dealing with a situation like that where a guy's pretty vulnerable, like his back is turned to you, you're engaging the backside of his body and his head's going to potentially snap back and hit the ice. Like you have to protect those vulnerable players in that position. It's not a hockey play. It's not a – It's not, he doesn't have the puck. I mean, it's not a – there's no real – uh, reason to 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 do that other than Just other being than a dick <laughs> being a dickhead. Otherwise, <laughs> other than really being a complete is. dickhead, and that's where he borders on that line of uh, you know, that style of play of just he sometimes he plays over it. But uh, yeah, that uh, saw that one. Um, and then um, you know, I'm trying to think anything else here that's kind of come up in the. Uh, hockey sphere there's some stuff that's come up but i'm not gonna even discuss it about you know the one thing i wish is that and i could say because i'm out here in chicago is that i wish the folks 
and Chicago would just leave Corey Perry the hell alone. Like, yeah, what's that the... about? What did, what did he what did happen there? So I'm not gonna get into what the rumor mill just churned out today by some jackasses. Um but uh I'm trying to make sure that's not my um more or less it's basically he was I think it was was it last week Wednesday or a week prior, he was at the morning skate or something, and then he was healthy scratched. Um, and then he wasn't at practice the next day, and he just basically kind of disappeared. And with the way when they were interviewing uh, the team, they were asking about, you know, like, oh, you know, where's what's going on, Perry, this and that. And it felt like some of the players really didn't know. Um, like Bedard really had no answer for it. Um, just saying, like, you know, the team's going to miss him, this and that. Um and Felino, you know, who is my opinion, they might as well just get, I get wanting to honor Taves, but just give Felino the C because the guy is basically the, the non-captain captain of the team. But, um, you know, he, he gave an, uh, he had like, you know, some answers to the press, just kind of like, you know, again, we don't really kind of know what's going on, but this is what's going on. Like, this is what we do know. And, uh, finally they were able to kind of pin down, um, Richardson, they were able to ask him questions, and then Davidson, um, and basically it was a, you know, this is all we're going to say, you know, it was an organization decision to, you know, have him kind of, you know, be away from the team, which is fine to say, um, you know, and again, you don't have, you can be somewhat ambiguous, I know a lot of people are saying, well, the Blackhawks have promised us transparency, especially after the Kyle Beach incident, which, as far as I know, his name's not Corey Perry's name's not popped up in any police blot or anywhere. So, um, but that said, not even an hour or two after that was released, Perry's agent then said Corey, you know, Corey is taking a you know leave from the team. Uh, we would respect like you know his privacy, his family, and his privacy during this time. Um, which kind of this where now the like fans and stuff are like, well, well, the team's saying it's a, a team decision, and now his agent's saying it's his decision. Like, what is it? What's going on? And honestly, like, I'm just at the point where it's like, dude, look, he walked away. Like, he's not with the team. Let's just, it is what it is. We'll find out soon enough, most likely. But as long as no one's getting, you know, there's no type of any type of assault going on, his family's okay. Like, if he's got to walk away and that's the only thing you're, you're given, it, what does it, how does it affect your life? Not knowing what, why Corey Perry is on the roster or with the team at that time. Yeah, that's really strange. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's been playing a long time. You know, he's, uh, he's been, he's been a great player in the league for a really long time. And maybe he's just reaching a crossroads in his life and career where, you know, he's got to evaluate, his family and he's got to evaluate what he wants to do. And um, I think it, you know, the more that the media gets into it and looking, like you said, looking for answers instead of giving it the pause that maybe it requires, um, it just becomes a distraction, you know? So um, that's unfortunate because you, you hope that a guy can go, a guy like Corey Perry, who's been a gamer and a warrior his whole career can kind of go out on a good note, you know? Um, that's what you hope Absolutely. for. No, and I think the media out here, in my opinion, you know, the reporters for all the different, you know, 
you know, Blackhawks stuff that we have. I think they've done a phenomenal job of saying, hey, this is what we've been given, and we're, you know, we'll ask the questions, and that's it. We're not going to, you know, they're not hounding. It's it's more or less like the fan base is like, oh, we deserve it. No, and it's kind of weird because it's like, at what point do we, you know, these guys, I think people seem to forget that at the end of the day, they are humans just like every single one of us. They, yeah, they get paid a lot of money to put, quote unquote play a kid's sport, but they're still humans. And who knows? Like, we don't know anything that's going on in his life. Maybe it's a family member. Who knows what it is? But it's like everybody's got to know. And it's like this, I don't know. To me, it feels like that whole, like, celebrity toxicity with, like, 24 yeah. hour news and, like, TMZ. Like, it's, I don't know. It's like. I feel like I'm uh, Charlie Day sitting there in front of the uh, the board with Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia, you know, in the <laughs> mail room on It's Always Sunny. It's just, but it's like, okay, this is what they've told us. You know, you can't compare the Kyle Beach incident to a guy taking a, taking a leave of absence, whether the team's saying it's their decision or he's him, his agent saying it's his decision. Like, okay, you're not going to get your answer. You can sit here and bitch and moan all you want, but, like, if that's the most important thing in your life going on, like, man, you need to find a new hobby. For sure, for sure. No, it could, and, like, you know, anybody who's saying something in the media now that is based upon any kind of speculation, you could look, could be real egg in the face in another couple of days if he says, you know, my kid's in the hospital. My, if he says, uh, you know, I'm going through uh, – uh, you know, some real tough times in my marriage and, uh, you know, like these real, or my, my, our parent died or, or who had it, whatever, but like, it could be some real serious fin- you know, family issues that he needs a little time to digest and, I, and you got to respect that. Right. And again, I, I think it's like, those things are, it's just, they'll let the fans know when they need to let the fans know, like it, when they feel it's important. And honestly, if I'm Corey Perry, and again, I get the whole everybody wants, especially with the Blackhawks, transparency. That's what they've said, this, this, and that. I don't think that's – I'm 99.9% certain it's not the same situation. Um, and if I'm a player on that team, and it, it is maybe a rough thing. Maybe it's, it's something obviously is going on that's wrong, like something wrong. Um, and I mean, I don't mean that necessarily in the sense like, oh, you know, he's dying or someone – like anything like that, but – Obviously, something's happened where they want to keep their privacy. And I respect the Blackhawks with as much as they're getting pounded by the, you know, fans and then the media originally. They're keeping it. They're keeping their cards close to their chest. And they're not saying like, hey, we're going to protect this player. Um, And I think it's definitely two different ends of the spectrum when you're talking about transparency about stuff. And if I'm a player and if I'm, you know, I know, hey, I need to take a step away, or maybe the team says I need to, whatever the case may be. At least I would be like, hey, I respect this. Like, you know what? My coach is sitting there day after day. He's getting beaten down. Same question, just asked 15 different ways, and I'm able, you know, and he's he's not budging. To me, that's about being a part of a team, and like my teammates are there for me. So I don't know. I mean, Again, I'll tell you, we'll talk after we get off the air here, but uh, uh, about what, what allegedly the stupidest fucking rumor was um, that just popped up today. And I, I hope whoever put it out there gets gets sued for, for it. But uh, anyhow, that's, uh, that's enough on that. that well, what about trend. another Chicago news? What about uh, Patrick Kane? It seems like he's getting close and ready to return. 
the biggest, latest rumor I heard was that um, the the team on the horizon is, is is Florida. That's the biggest rumor I've heard. Now, now it's Florida. That's what. I, that's the latest one I heard today. Yeah. What, what, well, uh, today. Yeah. What are you hearing? I mean, I heard. Uh, I heard the Rangers again. I've heard. Uh, I heard last week Detroit was a possibility. I heard um, Detroit too. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, I think the guy. Like, let's. I don't. If you're a team again, like Detroit, like I don't. Why not? Why not take take a shot at him? He's got nothing to lose. Hell, I wouldn't mind if the Hawks. I get it. They're trying to move on from you know the past and let you know the Bedard effect take over. See, we already said his name. I said it earlier. It doesn't (laughs) matter. Um, But you know what? He's not going to hurt you. I'm sure he's not looking for big time bucks because he's making a hell of a lot of money, or he has already. Um, now he had, what was it like a hip, it was like shaving of his hip bone or something like that? Yeah, it was a pretty grueling recovery. I mean, he was, you know, in that Devil's Rangers series, he was, he got a lot of flack from the New York media. I don't think he's, he has any intention of going back to New York. I don't think that was a great experience for him. Um, but he was productive. He had like six, seven points in the seven games. Like he, he, I think he was their top scorer in the playoffs. Like he wasn't the reason why they didn't advance in that series. I thought he had a pretty good series. And then when you come out that he's now had a six month recovery from an injury sustained while he was playing in that series. Um, it's like, wow, he, he's definitely got a, a lot of gas left in the tank then I think. Um, so, you know, if you're a contending team, I think you'd be all over. I, I, and I agree. I don't, I don't see why you don't kick the tires on him, especially cause I'm assuming He's not going to be looking probably for a lot of money. I'm, I'm assuming, and if it is, maybe it's a one-year deal where it's a prove-it contract. Um, again, he's, you know, offensively, he's always played a style where it wasn't really, you know, he, he wasn't a Taves-type player if I'm using the two, you know. Taves is, you know, I could see where his body's worn down on him. Kane, you know, he, he, he knows when to go, pick his spots to go into those high, you know, impact area, the dirty areas of the ice. Um I don't see why a team wouldn't kick their tires on him and have him come out and even have him. I don't know if how a PTO works and you know this part of the season, um, but even if it's just league minimum and he's willing to come out and like okay, hey, we're gonna give it a shot and see how it goes, you know. And the guy can certainly help somebody's power play. I can I can guarantee you that. Absolutely, and I think that like you know, he's a guy who's been there and he's done that. You know, he he's won. Multiple cups with Chicago. He's been an MVP in the league, um, you know. And I don't think he's—I don't think he's reached that brick wall yet. Like um, he had an injury, and it was—it affected his performance. But his performance still was near the top of the of the of the of the league last year. Still, even with those injuries. So, um, you know, I—I I don't really see. I don't—I don't see a real downside. I think if you—if you got him for the league minimum or anything anything close to that. You'd be getting a steal. Absolutely, I and I agree with you. I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting to see where he ends up and what the usage would be. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I know it's probably cap related issues, but like a team like the Edmonton who needs that secondary scoring, or even Toronto who needs a secondary scoring. And again, I know they're they're right up against the cap, yeah. but I I. That if it came out like oh he's signing with those teams that wouldn't shock me, um, you know. But who knows? You never know. Florida, that's a new one. 
Uh, which one? I mean, obviously, it would be, have to be the Panthers. Because yeah. I can't imagine the Lightning have to, hasn't, well, who have they put on in the long-term IR right now till the playoffs? <laughs> I know. They, they have half the <laughs> roster, right? Kucherov's le- leading the league in scoring. It's funny how that works out when he's not in, injured for a whole year. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to go to Club Med for the half the season. I mean, <laughs> Witness protection program. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so I guess we could uh, hit on the uh, the big topic of the day. Uh, or the session, whatever we want to call this episode, the night. Um, so basically, this kind of all started this weekend. Um, you never know when you hit these tears. Like, you might post something on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, where you might all of a sudden just start getting, like, oh, I agree, like, likes, 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 retweets, and you're just like, okay, cool, this is great. You know, you feel like a little celebrity. Um but uh, I, and I in no way want to be a little celebrity. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I think we've discussed this before. We have discussed it. Um, out in New Hampshire with with Bear, Baron's team, you guys are playing AAU, correct? I don't know the, the, the official terminology of what, what it is. We play in a league called the E9, uh, which is a Boston-based league. Um, or Massachusetts, I should say. So we're like the only New Hampshire team, uh, except sometimes the Avalanche play in our in our league too. They're they are, um, they're in Hooksit, New Hampshire. Um, but for the most part, it's a Massachusetts-based league with Massachusetts teams, and we play full ice mites. Um, I don't okay. know what our governing body is in terms of AAU or if it's Massachusetts state hockey. But I don't know, but um, I know that one leads into the other. Right. Yeah. So. Out here in Chicago, we are. Uh, it's under AAU for the eight and unders. Um, so six, seven, eight year olds, five year olds, I guess, could play. I don't know. Um, and again, I I've been pretty far. Rem- I've been f- removed from the might scene for a little while. Um, I mean, obviously, I've seen some games here and there, some practices and skill sessions here and there, but I haven't really had to deal handle them too much. Um, even going back to when I was working. Um, as a director, we, we didn't oversee them because as a club, we were USA Hockey and the Park District uh, oversaw the AAU program, um, which was the uh, MITE program. Sorry. And so out here, it's the Chicago United Hockey League is what what it's under. Um, and originally, everybody had like these, like, you know, we got a team out here called the Chicago Blues. And the team name originally was like the Jazz. Like, it was like everybody was trying to like oh, we're not affiliated, but we are affiliated. Like, nobody's dumb, but, like, they had to do that. Now everybody's like, oh, the Junior Blues or the Junior Cyclones or the Junior, like, this and that. So, mm-hmm. like, I, so again, going back to this weekend, I watched a lower level, I guess you could say tier maybe, um, Mike game, and it was full ice, and <sighs> the kids were all trying their best. But I'm I'm sitting here watching, and I don't know what the hell's going on, or why this is going on. It was the longest thirty three minutes, if that's how long they played total of hockey or of of basically kids on the ice that I that I've watched in the longest time. And I am not trying. This is not against the kids. I will not say the leagues. I will not say the team or the the teams. But these kids had no. These players had no business playing at the at full ice hockey. There are kids that are at a higher level than that who should not be playing full ice hockey. I'll put it on record right now. 
anybody eight and under should not be playing full ice hockey, in my opinion. And I was just, I, I couldn't, it was mind boggling. It was, it's what full ice, you would assume full ice hockey for seven and eight year olds would look like, and six year olds, with one kid going up and down the ice, one kid from one team going down the ice with a puck, everybody kind of chasing, following. And then they would either shoot on net and they would score because the net's bigger than the goalie. Um, or they'd miss the net and it'd be turned over. And then one kid from the other team would go and grab the puck and go all the way down to the other side. And it was just like back and forth, ping pong, but slow. And just, I can't even describe how brutal it was. And I feel so bad because it was nothing even remotely close to hockey yeah i i i feel your pain trevor i, I you know our team does play full ice and um you know i'm supportive of the organization i think they are, we have great coaches and practice instruction facility and all that absolutely. kind of absolutely but in terms of the rules of the massachusetts base league that we're we're in um i don't really see the advantages from an optical perspective like it sucks up a lot of time out of the, the rink scheduling during the day uh, to, to field a full ice mic game. Um, whereas you could have more kids playing if you have half a sheet, uh, you know, and play half ice games, or if you play, um, you know, cross ice games with, you know, with three games going on at once, you could have more kids playing instead of, you know, having to really extend the day and play games at six in the morning and at 12 at night, they could have a bigger part of your day, that that meat and potatoes of the day being occupied by having more kids in your rink, and uh, I also think that like when more kids are in the building, it creates a, a fun buzz and fun fun atmosphere for those young kids. They actually think, you know, they're playing in front of an NHL packed house, so it's kind of it's kind of cool from Absolutely. that perspective too. Um, and like you said, it may look like it's a hockey game because it's on a full ice and the nets are regulation size, but it doesn't mirror what you're seeing at any other level where you know there's puck movement, kids are. Uh, getting open, kids are you know onside and understand the nuance of where to be on on the ice. It's it's like turnover, breakaway, save or goal, turnover, breakaway. It's it just it's just a constant stream like that. And um, I think that and there's so many reasons why USA Hockey switched to you know encouraging that cross ice or half ice model. And uh, I get it now, having seen seen my son be playing in that environment. And, and it, what kills me is that, you know, you, 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 everything you said is spot on. I mean, we're, they talk about hockey being a, one of the most, you know, difficult sports to get kids into, even families that are not affluent with the sport. And one of the reasons is, the, you know, the cost of entry, you know, ice time, so expensive. Well, when you get, you know, you're playing three cross ice games at a time or two half ice games at a time, that soaks up with the fees that you can collect, that soaks up a nice chunk of change there with them. You know, if you've got four different teams of 10 kids playing, um, you know, you've got those issues. You've got, um, and again, I'll even say it now. Like, I think 9U probably should be playing half ice as well. Um, you know, there's there's no reason why we should be, it's we're the only sport, I feel like, in North America that, and USA Hockey's been around, you know, 
trying to push the ADM model and the cross ice games for so long. And I know at the beginning we were at the forefront of all the sports, you know, and now all of a sudden I feel like we are in the back of the pack because let's look at it. Soccer. They're playing basically, instead of playing, you know, full length, they're playing like cross ice like we would with smaller nets and a smaller ball, you know, so the kids are in tight. It's, it's a, you know, again, it's more focused on the touches and the amount of, you know, playing under pressure and stu- such under that stuff. Look at basketball. They lower the hoops to eight feet. They shorten the the court. Um, the ball's smaller, you know. Little League, those, these kids at this age are hitting off of tees and maybe at, you know, eight or nine, they've finally got a coach pitching to them. Um, it's not, you know... 400, you know, feet dead center, um, you know, none of these kids are playing on a field that is, you know, Wrigley or, you know, Fenway, um, you know, on and on football, smaller, you know, smaller ball golf. The kids aren't hitting from even the men's tees. They're not even hitting at the ladies tees. They're moving up. So why in hockey do we have to be so backwards and be playing full ice hockey where your kid Probably, based on what I watched, there was at least 75% of the kids that never even touched the puck. Yeah, that's a problem too, for sure. Why? What? What is... The, I, I've yet to see a good reason why these kids should be playing full ice hockey. Well, you know, I've had discussion with, with parents. Um, we had one crazed parent who really wanted his kids to be playing full ice Um and some of the reasons he said to me, uh, give them to me, coach. I yeah. can't wait to hear them because I already, I'm sure Vernon, but go ahead. Well, he said he's been playing, you know, my son started when he was five, uh, playing organized hockey. He's now on his, uh, he's now eight years old. So he has five year, six year, seven year. He'd be playing his fourth year cross ice. It's time for him to graduate to full ice. That's one. What do you say to that? <laughs> um, okay. No, next. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. <clears throat> oh, oh, fine. Okay, so your kid's now this is fourth year playing cross ice hockey. Has your kid gotten better? Has your kid get, is your kid having fun? Have you watched a full ice game for what your kid's age group would look like? How many more touches is your kid going to get for that? How much more is it going to cost you? I mean, right there, like. <laughs> yeah. No. I okay. But I mean, I, I get it. I agree. Okay, this, you know, this, that I was just because... one argument. The other argument was, you know, um, if you go back to um, players, in, and this is they always up in here in, in New Hampshire, they reference Bobby Orr more than anybody else. And Bobby Orr, um, you know, never played cross ice. Wayne Gretzky never played cross ice. Those players had the ability to slow down the game, handle the puck, hold the puck for long periods of time. And we need to develop those skills, handling the puck and holding it for long periods of time, rather than just uh, quick bursts of energy where you have to move the puck quickly. Your thoughts? Now, now, do those do those parents watch NHL hockey? Do they watch college hockey at all? Do they watch junior hockey at all? Tell me how long these even the top tier players are holding on to those pucks. Well, the one the one guy I'm referencing is actually a volunteer assistant coach at a, at a college, current college, college hockey. So I, I don't think he knows anything. 
<laughs> I mean, just, just knowing the person, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like. I know, I know. We're talking about kids holding uh, holding onto the puck, being able to, That's what practices are for. If you want them to work on their stick handling, if you, I'm assuming they have driveways up in New Hampshire. I don't know. I mean, I feel like as a society, we, you might have advanced to that stage. Um, do they got like a golf ball or any kind of ball where they could stick handle at home and work on that? Why? why do, I mean, again, another one is, well, it's not real hockey. Well, no shit. It's not real hockey. None of the other sports are, are they playing? Is it quote? I mean, and they, is it quote unquote real hockey? But that's not the point. The point is to get these kids playing, to get them used to the skills, to get them to start developing the skills. Like, again, to me, it's just like it's bonkers that we are ass backwards. And this is why the European countries per capita are doing so much better than we are with development of hockey players. They're more skilled. Uh, many of them are producing more skilled hockey players than we we have. NHL is just a different game than what's over overseas. I I, I agree with you, Trevor. I think that um, you know we look at um, we look at what you know the, the other other element that comes in in the play too is is this idea you know we have a capitalist hockey economy in this country and um, instead of like USA Hockey, if, if they say you're going to play cross-ice, there's inevitably a rink owner or manager who says, well, there's an opportunity for them to make money off promoting full ice. Whether they believe in it or not, they can they can now find a market for that because it's being eliminated at one spot. So those people who have that share a different philosophy, they can now buy my product at, at my spot. And, Absolutely. And that, that becomes – you know that's a whole other different beast entirely, but like uh, that's part of what the what the issue becomes when you get further down the road. Because I do think that most people, most people who watch full ice versus cross ice or half ice, say, "Ah, oh, man, my, my," and they compare and contrast. Your kid's gonna touch the puck more um, if they play cross ice or half ice hockey. They're gonna have um, make have to make quicker decisions with the puck. They're not gonna follow the play as much because they can stay at the same pace of play. Um, and then from a rink owner's perspective, uh, you know, they can, you can, you can get more kids in the building, get more kids playing, get more kids in the barn. Um, and you can play multiple games in a day, almost make it like a jamboree style. So like, there's just so many more advantages. It's, it's not even in my, in my estimation, it's really not even an, an argument anymore. Like, but we are having the argument. So it's an argument for a lot of people for sure. And I think, I would I would assume that most people that are running hockey clubs that are running that are quality coaches and I, I, I do believe in the benefits of cross ice games, but as you said, you know the big thing is we're letting the consumers make the decision on this one, and because <clears throat> you know especially here in Chicago where you can almost, you know again I was on the North Shore I did I I coached in the North Shore for one season and I I'm so feel so dumb right now because I didn't realize how close the other two programs were from where we practiced. And it was basically a 10 minute drive down one road <laughs> in either direction. So there's three clubs in one area. If one of those clubs goes cross ice, but the other two are going to go full ice, 
we both know which ones are going to get the most players. Yeah. We both know. And as you said, you know, with the capitalist, it's the consumer. They're going to, they're going to go with, well, and as a tool, as a coach, as a program, you're going to say, well, we're playing full ice hockey. You know, those guys over there, they're only playing half ice. You know, that's not real hockey. We're playing real hockey. Yeah. Come on. There are most coaches believe and know that the benefits outweigh, you know, anything else right now at that age. Um, you know, my my other favorite one is well, they're not getting the conditioning. They're not gonna. They're not be able to skate the full length of the ice. I'm it, <laughs> that one. I just always want to like. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm jumping off this bridge here because this is like your kid needs to get conditioning, like, yeah, because he needs to know how to skate the full ice. Like, if he's only skating and the game's played in three zones, but I, I mean, again, I know we're beating a dead horse, um, and I, I love beating the dead horse sometimes, but. Uh, I just, it was very frustrating, and um, I think we, somehow we've got to take, you know, that step, and I don't know, maybe if it's just the next generation has to come through, Um, you know, like, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, but like our, like our age group, like, we finally are able to sit there and be like, no, this is what we're doing, Um, instead of having some of the older talking heads who are, you know, looking at it of, well, this is how we did it, and this is, you know, I don't know if that's what it needs to take, or I don't know. It just, it sucks because we could be doing so much better. Bobby Orr from Perry Sound, Ontario. He never played cross ice. <laughs> you don't even know. Be- Gordy Howe never be- played cross ice. But I bet you they played on a pond or something with 10 kids on a team, probably, in the middle of winter, and there was no space to play, and that's how they learned how to play was stick handling, trying to get through all these kids or making passes in these small areas. Like again, it's it's for the fucking birds, man. This it's just it's getting old, and I get it. I mean, I get it. If you that's what you have to offer because you're afraid you're going to lose out in players and they won't ever come back. Like you have to. Sometimes you feel like you have to do it, and I I know it's so much. Trust me, I know it's so much easier said than done. Um you know, to try and buck the trend. Um, but this is just, it's getting old. And watching what I saw, I've, I've even watched it. We've got AAA mites out here in Illinois. AAA mites, okay? AAA. Well, that's the real deal. What's the, where, where do you go after that? You go right to the show, don't you? I, I think that, I think you just get to skip every other level. Like, you don't even have to do squirts. Forget learning how to do checking, like checking. You're just going right straight to it. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This, this is something I will, my therapist will be hearing a ton of about and I'll be having <laughs> dreams about it and all that stuff. But I just, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I just want to see better for the kids and stuff. I think sure. it just makes more sense. And I think that, you know, eventually we kind of have to look at the studies that have been done and get away from these, you know, like, oh, this is how the game's supposed to be played. Well, okay, L- let's look at the other sports. And it seems to be working for them where maybe 10, 15 years ago it was flipped where USA Hockey was the one pushing for these small area games and these other sports, you know, football was playing on a full 100-yard line, you know, you know, game, you know, whatever. So, I don't know. I'm sure people were like, Trevor, shut the... F-. But uh, No, but you, you said a funny thing there. You said a generality. Um, boy, I hate hearing generalities on social media, don't you? 
Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that offer's still out there. Kids are very literal. That offer's still out there, Mr. I Train Hockey, but you don't want to talk to us. We get it. You're playing really coy. We get it. We get it. You... You want a little bit more buttering up, but that's that's for another show. Maybe sometime he's on it, but um, yeah. I mean, again, it's I I I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a tough. It's it's something that just I again one of those things where I firmly believe in that development. So I don't want to keep uh, you know beating this horse here. I got pretty much nothing left to say, though. I'm. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, which is when it should come out, I've already written one article on it, um, and I will be writing part two, hopefully coming out Thursday, uh, on the mites, uh, Mite Hockey. So I like it. I like it. That's my, that's my plug there. But uh, you want to jump all, in the five minutes, and, Coach? And that's all on the Hockey Focus Network. That is, yes. <laughs> no, we can't use ESPN. Shit. All all right. We're going to get in we'll trouble. We'll come up with our own. I know. That's the last thing I want. Um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we decided though today we were going to do the uh, five myths of uh, might hockey, um, and clearly since I'm as passionate as I am about it, um, yet I have not coached a might team my entire life, truth be told. But I've worked with them. Um, I took I took three of the two. So uh, if it's cool with you, coach, I'll just start here at number one. Let it rip, go. All right, so the five minutes of might hockey. Uh, number one is <laughs> such beating the dead horse. Might hockey needs to be played on full ice. <laughs> and let's talk about this. Let's let's yeah. just, let's open this can of worms. This this hasn't been brought up at all. <laughs> I've already said enough on it. Basically. The game's. I think the game better off at those younger ages. You can get more kids into the game. You talked about it already. You hit the nail on the head with the jamborees. Jamborees were great when we were doing them, when we initially were following the USA Hockey cross ice games. You've got, you know, seven, eight different organizations within a in a building, and you've got three games going on. And then you know, after a certain amount of time, basically everybody like each you know on one side of the ice, each team moves to the right you know, to their right, um, and plays a different team and then they do it again and whatever. Like those are great. Those are fun. Um, kids were seeing a ton of shots. They were, you know, it was all over the place. There was some coaching because when the kids weren't in, you're just basically saying, Hey, you know, spread out, get in a triangle support. Boom. There you go. There's your coaching. So, uh, Again, uh, my hockey does not, uh, does not need to be played on full ice coach. Do you beg to differ? Absolutely not. I think I completely agree with you. And um, if you want to devote another twenty minutes to it, I'm game. But uh, we're in complete agreement once again. I'm not going to be able to talk tomorrow. <laughs> what do you got for number two, Coach? Number two is mites can't do video or off ice. I think actually, what? I know. I think that I've heard a lot of coaches say this, or I've seen a lot of people not incorporate that in their practices. But I really think that certainly off ice, whether it be stick handling off the ice or doing some athletic or coordination uh, movements, whether it be ladders or, or jumps or, you know, simple uh, agility drills, things like that can be done off the ice. And it can only take you five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, something like that, right at the end of practice. But it can make a big difference if you keep consistent with it throughout the season. Uh, and then video, um, we started off with our, our Mike team here in New Hampshire with Bears team doing hockey homework for the kids. And, um, 
they're doing great with it. They ask questions and they'll come up, oh, I watched the video coach. And they're so excited to tell you that they watched the video. And um, it's not necessarily that like uh, they have to get all the bullet points on the things that we're getting in the video. But I think it's a great way to supplement their lack of actual watching hockey games. So, um, you know, if you if you listen to an interview with Gretzky when he was six, seven years old, he was watching TV and he was tracing the game on a notepad. Yep. It just was it was a different world back then where they didn't have the same stimulation, um, other stimuli like taking away their attention. Um, right. But watching hockey on TV was fascinating to that, that generation of athletes. And to me, even as a kid, I mean, I remember watching hockey games my whole life and never like I didn't have video games when I was a kid. My dad didn't believe in video games but uh so i didn't really another episode. yeah that's a whole another episode thanks dad um yeah fine then <laughs> but but you know you have to we kids have to see players playing the game in order in order to acquire skills and hockey iq they have to see someone other uh, playing the game other than themselves at rink level and i think doing something like that with hockey homework it's made a big difference for my team. And it could make a big difference for, for your team if you're on my coach. Oh, absolutely. It, um, off ice, that's a given. I mean, any type of athletic movement extra that these kids are able to do because they don't get enough as it is um, in their own regular, I'm assuming, daily lives, just with how schools and systems are. Uh, no, that's definitely important in the video. I mean, again, even if it's just one thing, like, hey, you know, go home and watch, you know, Go watch the Bruins do this. Or go, go, go! Tell me how many times the you know in the first period the Devils do that. Like simple, yeah, for sure. And it's fun. Kids love it. The coming. I mean, again, I've got, I've got nine. You and these kids love telling me. Oh, I saw this. You know, the other night, or I saw this. You know, so it, it does. It makes sense. And again, it's, it, it's no brainer. Um, you just it's one little extra thing you have to do as a coach or even as a parent you can do. Um. I got number three here. Um, my favorite, one of my other favorites, is uh, your best mites are going to always be your best players. Um, that's f- basically false. Um, I'm not saying that it's not true that some of those kids might be your best players. I mean, some kids are going to be naturally gifted at hockey. Some of those kids might be naturally gifted at skateboarding too. Who knows? Uh, development is not linear. Um, some kids peak at different times. Some get good. Some then you know they plateau. Maybe they get better again. They plateau. You know it. It all depends. I, that's why I think it's absurd that we've got AAA might hockey, um, or these super teams or these elite teams. It's to me it just doesn't make sense because, you know, I understand you know grouping kids together to train them. You know because some kids can do things differently or better, and maybe they need to be pushed a little bit more that I get a little bit to an extent um but again um you know again I can remember when I first started I can remember the kids that were on that you know top might team and looking back at it how many of them are actually still playing hockey um or were the top players I mean you're lucky if maybe even 10% of these kids who are your top players now will will be Playing or I'm mean, not even playing. Let me rephrase that. You'll be lucky if half of these kids are still your best players at by the time they're 16, 17, 18, if they're even still playing. Um, it's just it it's just the way of how development happens. Yeah, and I agree. And I, you know, one of the things that I, 
I like watching on social media. It always comes up in my algorithm for whatever reason. Um, is a lot of like interviews with Kobe Bryant. And there's one interview where he talks about uh, he had a whole summer of basketball where he didn't score, score a point in all of summer basketball uh, when he was like 11 or 12 or whatever it is. And uh, how he really used that as, as fuel for his own game. And he also it helped, helped build that relationship with his dad because he asked more questions and he knew that his dad was really engaged in his, um, in his development. That it wasn't like, oh, you didn't score. You, you, you stink. You should give up basketball. It was like, no, we can, you can work on this. And, you, you know, he, he was supportive during that time. And I think that's a big part of the equation too. It's like, it's, sure, kids will go through different athletic developmental you said like steps or plateaus, but also, um, you know, if you're given everything your whole whole life, if you make all the top teams, and where's the incentive? Sometimes that adversity is the biggest um, is the biggest way to have rewards down the road, and I think that gets lost sometimes. Or the incentive can be when mom or dad gives you five bucks for every goal you score, not assist, but every goal you score. <laughs> That's take that one to the bank. Uh, coach, what do you got? For no, no pun intended there, but uh, what do you got for number four? Coaching doesn't matter at the might level. It's just about getting them on the ice. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine, Michael Bodner, he's from Czech Republic. He lives over here in the United States. Um, and when we started to take over the Wolves program, Michael's not involved with the Wolves program, but he was a good player. He's not a college coach, is he? No, no. He actually played at Plymouth <laughs> State, though, but he, he's a good guy. Just making sure he's not the assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. He, uh, he, but he said to me, oh. Oh, you can hear? Sorry, I thought my, my screen just logged off. I have to edit that. Mine said that twice already. But Mike said, he said, you know, one of the things he noticed that about um, youth hockey here in Laconia, because he was raised right outside Prague in the Czech Republic, he said, like, all, like, the the new starter coaches, they throw them in with the mites. He's like, it's these guys who can't even skate, and, they got, and they're out there with the mites. Yeah. And he's like, that's opposite of what we do in the Czech Republic. We have, like, some of the yeah. best skating coaches and the best coaches in the programs are the guys who are actually teaching the fundamentals to the players. And that really resonated with me. And, you know, now I have this um, crew of coaches that I, I have developed this relationship with the Czech Republic, and that is exactly what they do. And um, they put their best coaches at the younger levels so that they can have – because the coaching gets tends to get a little bit easier as you get older or at the older age levels. I mean you're teaching different stuff, but you're not teaching that core fundamentals that the kids need. If they don't require that when they're a mite, um, they're never going to get that potentially. So I think that all organizations should reevaluate that. Coaching is really important, I believe, at the mite level. Uh, you have to make it fun for the kids. You have to make the kids enjoy the game and want to come back. But then you also need somebody who can skate and demonstrate the drills because the kids, if you just communicate with a dry erase board or just communicate with your mouth, they don't understand it. So you have to really follow me. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you do it. Now we can do it together. And that's really important. That's, uh, you know, that's... It's twofold um, what you just said. I do agree on everything you've said. It's actually your – and it wasn't just from you, but I've heard that from numerous sources, different people over my – so far in my coaching career of how over here in America, you know, United States and even Canada, we've got it backwards where we typically put our 
best coaches or what we would say are best coaches up at the older age levels. Um, and, you know, we would have the um, less experienced or even um, some of the parent coaches who, as you said, you know, they, some of them struggle. You know, they're not ones to demonstrate. Um, you know, we put them at the younger ages where, again, over in Europe, it's flipped. Um, I remember the first time, like, when I first started coaching, I wanted to work at the Pee Wee Ban. I actually, it was like Bantam level. And, I, you know, when I didn't get the team, I was, again, I was 20 years old. I was like, what the heck, you know? And I was like, I want, I got a squirt team, like this, this, and that. And I remember Randy Jordan, one of my mentors, saying, he's like, you know, this over in Europe, this is what they do. They put their better coaches down. And I was like, really? All right. You know, I mean, it definitely gave me a nice little ego bump, but I'm sure that was also just to keep me around. <laughs> it wasn't, it was not a great, you know, I was still learning just like as I am today. But, uh, um, but you know, that was the one thing is that I, I agree with you on that. But as what I said, it's kind of twofold that it is a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, my uncle, you know, God bless his heart, you know, he's he's not somebody who's going to sit here and show any player how to do the, you know, X, Y, and Z skill-wise. He might demonstrate, okay, this is where we want the puck to go or how to do this, this, and that. But he's not he's not a professional skater, um, you know. So, but what he would do is he would make sure that he could get the younger coaches like who were you know, still playing midget hockey or had just, you know, graduated college and then were helping out, he'd get them to come in and work the Mike skills or work with the Mike teams because those kids, those guys could demonstrate the skills that he wanted those, them, you know, those players to be taught. Now, that said, he would still use the parent coaches who never played hockey growing up or maybe do just play beer league and they're not the best skaters. But he would find a way to use them, and if that meant okay, I want I want to make sure that this kid, when he's doing a tight turn, he's got both feet on the on the ice because you and I both know kids just love to pick up their outside edge for some dumb reason <laughs> that no one's figured out yet. But hey, I want you know he would go. I want this guy here. Your job is to make sure every kid goes around with both feet on their on the ice, and they're using their outside edge. And he would find, and I feel like. It's one reason why a lot of the parent coaches respected him and a lot of parents respected him was that, you know, he would use the parent coaches um, as assets because, you know what, it's somewhat something he doesn't have to go and do to make sure every single time, like, he doesn't have to do it. He can bounce from station to station, and he doesn't have to use the kids that, you know, or the younger coaches who can demonstrate. He doesn't need to use them as just someone who's making sure, okay, Billy's doing, you know, you know, they're doing this, you know, they're making two foot turns. He can have Bill's <coughs> dad making sure that they're doing two foot turns. And if they're not, he can say, Hey, this, you gotta be doing this. And he can let the other coaches do more experienced coaches who can demonstrate, uh, do what they're there for. So I always thought that was, you know, I, you know, I, I, it's something I never would have thought of doing. Um, and he did. And again, it's something that um, that really helped our kids in, our, in that program succeed so much. And we were, again, that was a club that was very high on our skating skills, um, you know, just the attributes of it. And we did really well. And uh, well, that's that's great stuff. And it. I think, yeah, I no, think, you know, <laughs> oh, no, you think Coach Jordan is like uh, really using all his assets. And that's really important because. You know whether whether you everybody has strengths and weaknesses as coaches, but if you can get more people on the bus to help you out, 
to drive that thing to where you want to get it to, then uh, you're doing something right for sure. And that sounds like he uh, was was you know, finding the best tools to add to his team. No, definitely. So, again, I give him, Coach Jordan, and, uh, yeah, my uncle, uh, Coach Kelly, I give him all the credit in the world for for a lot of the stuff that I've learned, um, you know, I've picked up and uh, just how, how they ran things because it just, it just made so much sense, but nobody else was willing to do it because they were worried about the, oh, daddy coaches, this and that. But that's a discussion for another day. So I guess uh, to uh, ca- kind of cap it off here is uh, if your kid – uh, number five is if you're uh, the the player is not playing uh, by mites if they haven't started playing hockey by mites uh, they're doomed um, their development's doomed and that's positively false um, you know we see players all the time that get late starts in the game um, you know just because they didn't start skating when they were three or four they didn't come out of the womb skating doesn't mean they're gonna be you know they're not gonna be able to make it. Um, I've seen kids come into hockey at, you know, 9U, 10U, um, who just, they knew how to skate somewhat, but, you know, they're great athletes. And all of a sudden, you know, by the end of their careers, they're some of the best players in the organization. So, um, you know, again, it's it's great to get kids started early, but just because your kid didn't play mites or something of that nature doesn't mean that it's they need to be written off. Yeah, I, I mean, there's two examples, really. Two, I have all two thoughts on that one. Number one is Ed Jovanovsky, you know, didn't play uh, like organized hockey until he was a peewee, and he ended up being the number one overall pick in the NHL draft in '94. '94, yeah. And then he uh, also played over a thousand games in the NHL and was an all-star. Remember who took him? Florida took him. Yes, sir. Jovo Cup. You got Jovo Cup. And then, and then the last, the second part of that is. Um, I think if a parent, you're making a decision uh, based upon like how good your kid is going to be. I think you're kind of missing the mark. Um, you know, kids, hockey is one of the, one of the great sports. It's different other than like, uh, it's really different than football, or, like other contact sports like football or like, uh, I think rugby, you can play that your whole life, but, um, <laughs> but you know, hockey is a lifelong game. You can, you can play that your whole life. So if you're just looking in between that window of, you know, let's say 10 to, to 18 that's his hockey hockey playing window ah you're missing out you know like he he, the kid, right. he could pick up a skill and maybe he's not going to be the best maybe he will be the best who knows but he can acquire some skills that can be used the rest of his life and maybe build some relationships uh, get some exercise when he's older and he can enjoy a game that he has an interest in or he or she has an interest in i've met so many parents both moms and dads who have started to play after their child started um just doing adult clinics and stuff who you know who i've you know we see you see them come out to the parent you know parent kid games and stuff like that but they've started playing after their kid and they're still playing to this day whether it's in a you know Thursday night, 11 o'clock slot with all their, the other parents that they've met through hockey or their buddies or we're on a team with all the, you know, other moms from the area that play hockey. And I don't think there's ever a, you know, and I'm not just saying it to be just to say it, but I don't think there's ever really a wrong age to start the game. I mean, obviously the earlier, typically the better, but I don't think, I think at any age group, you know, young and old, there's no wrong age to start playing the game. Absolutely. I think it, 
you know, if if yesterday didn't work, today could be could work for you, and if not that, then try tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mean, what's the saying? Like, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best day is, you know, like your best next time is like now, you know. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of trees I wish I would have planted 20 years ago. <laughs> but uh, hello, Google stock options. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so uh, that's kind of all I got for tonight, Coach. Uh, I, this is a very great therapy session for me after this weekend. Um <laughs> Anything else you got? No, I think that this was a good little episode. I think we got some more exciting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks that were uh, in the works. And um, always that I train hockey interview, uh, if we can get it, would be really fantastic. Because I'd like to really open that line of communication, give him a platform, really discuss his uh, thoughts and reflections on what puts makes his program unique. And, um, you know. I'd like to like to hear hear his uh, hear his philosophy. And again, uh, forgive my ignorance. What is? Do you know his the, the gentleman's name who runs? I, I think I, I think the, the person we see it, his first name Sean. Sean, Sean, if you're listening, if you're listening, please realize that while we know we're not going to sugarcoat this, we know that you get crapped on on certain parts of social media. Like we're not dumb. Um, we actually legitimately would like to have you on the show. Um, and it's more or less because we would love to understand your process, how you do things. You know, you're, you clearly you've done well that you've gotten your name out there further than we've ever gotten ours so far. Um, so it, I, I, don't, I hope you don't sit here and think that, oh, man, if I come on this guy's show, they're just going to bag me the entire. That's not even close. Honestly, I, I don't have that bone in my body to do that. Um I, I wouldn't do that to a guest, and as we've said before, if to any, like we tell any of our guests, you have final opportunity to edit, take out whatever you want from the show. Hell, you could even scrap the entire interview. Um, if you, we have to get lawyers involved, we can get lawyers involved. It would be the dumbest thing ever, but whatever the case may be, we're not here to really bag anybody. We just want to get, you know, learn and understand. So, um, if you are listening, Sean. Let us know. Reach out. I will stop. Uh, I will stop my ever my quest to ever <laughs> track you down to get you involved. But uh, well, uh, that's what I got. That's I mean, that's where we're coming from. I think Coach Trimble and I are both on the same page here. Where it's like, hey, why Definitely. not? Let's let's hear, let's hear from you. So <sighs> outside of that, Coach, hey, I hope you have a good night. I'm gonna go see how bad the Bears are getting beaten, and uh, I'm. Uh, I'm going to log off here. So, uh, I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, we will uh, catch you guys on the next episode.